0: You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. It's great to see you on this Labor Day weekend. Congratulations to all of you who are in labor. (laughs) We celebrate with you. What do you do with life's big questions? I was in Dallas several months ago when I was with a group of people there who are passionate about helping people engage with others in conversations about life's big questions. Does life have purpose? Is there a God? Why does God allow pain and suffering? Can you know God personally? Is the Bible reliable? Is Jesus really God? Is Christianity too narrow? Those are the kind of questions people are asking in our world today. And I came home and I began to pray about my preaching plan for this year and I decided to spend some time talking with you about these big questions in life. And so that's where I want us to focus today. About 25 years ago, Voyager 1 turned to take its last photo of the earth. At that, at that moment, it was almost $4 billion miles away. And so the photo, let me put it on the screen for you, it looked kind of like this. Um, just show you this picture that was taken now almost 25 years ago. And there's a circle around a dot. And that dot is the earth. There was a, a man who's, astrono- who's an astronomer, his name is Carl Sagan. And he, and he wrote about that dot. And I think you've probably seen the dot by now, so we can go back. For those of you who are maybe too young to have studied Carl Sagan or maybe are not familiar with him, I don't want to mislead you. He's not a person who in his life professed to be a Christian. In fact, he professed to be agnostic. But as an astronomer, he saw the vastness of creation. Creation. And he saw the earth in comparison to the vastness of creation. And he said, look at that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives on that, on that dot. <coughs> the aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, Ideologies and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother, every father, every hopeful child, every inventor, every explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint, every sinner in the history of our species lived there. On a moat of dust, suspended in a sunbeam. But it's what he says next that captures my attention. He says, you know, the earth is really a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. God is so big. Creation is so vast. He is so far beyond, beyond rather even our own understanding. They, they, they tell us that there are probably more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on our seashores. With the Hubble telescope, we have decided that we can't even begin to number The galaxies. And so this universe, the totality of matter and energy, known or either unknown to man, it's all God's. The Bible says God created the heavens. God created the earth. And this is what amazes me, that God, who created all of this, who is so vast and so big and so great that I can't even begin to comprehend, He created me. And He is personal. He desires a relationship with me. Now get this. And He has a plan, a reason, a purpose for my existence. Go figure. Too much for me to grasp. That the God who created the heavens and the earth... If personal and desires a relationship with me It has a plan and a purpose and a reason for my very existence. I will live my life and die and never fully comprehend all of that. So, meaning, purpose. Now there's, there's a subject that we all are interested in talking about. So whether you're young or old or rich or poor or regardless of what continent you were raised on or the color of your skin or your personality traits or your hobbies or interests, everybody, everybody has inside themselves a desire to understand why they were created. To understand the meaning of their life, the purpose of their life, the reason of their existence. Everybody has a desire for that. Why, why was I created? Why do I occupy space on this planet? What is the reason for my life? What is my purpose in this world? What is the meaning of my life? Why do I exist? We all, we all are very interested in that conversation. It's a conversation a guy in the Old Testament whose name was Solomon was also very interested in. In fact, he was tormented by it, it seems to me. When I read his words, they seem like very sad words. He's looking for meaning. He's trying to find purpose. He's trying to find reason for existence. And so let me take you to one of his writings. It would be the book of Ecclesiastes. And we'll start with chapter 1, verse 1, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll read the words of Solomon. So we'll put the words on the screen for you, okay? The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. King David was his father. He succeeds him as king. And I feel like I've jumped ahead a little bit. I want you to feel a freedom to open your Bibles. Uh, You might want to leave your Bible open in your lap. If you're kind of new to carrying a Bible and you're looking for Ecclesiastes, if you go to the very middle of the Bible, that would probably be the book of Psalms, then Proverbs, then Ecclesiastes, okay? We're in chapter 1 and we're in verse 1. So the words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. And then he begins, he says a word that he will say 37 more times in this book, meaningless. Because that's what he finds in everything that's under the sun, no meaning. Meaningless, meaningless says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors here on this Labor Day weekend? What do people gain from all of their hard work at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises. The sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and it turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing nor the ear. It's fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, Look, there's something new. No. It was here already. Long ago, it was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. Are you fully depressed yet? Okay, I'll keep reading. You will be. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I've seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Hmm. What do you make of Solomon? Saying, I wish life made sense. I wish there seemed to be purpose. I wish there was meaning in life, but there doesn't seem to be. You know, I think all of us scratch our heads sometimes at the idea that we live in probably the most affluent, maybe the most comfortable, the most advanced society that has ever functioned in human history. Yet, we seem in some ways to be the most depressed. And maybe even in some ways the most directionless people who have ever existed. We talk a lot around here about becoming like Jesus. We talk about becoming like Jesus in our relationship with God, in our relationships with believers, and in our relationships with others. So I don't know what end of the spectrum you're on in that first idea of becoming like Jesus in your relationship with God. You may say, Rick, I don't really have intimacy with God. That's not what I have. That's not where I am. I hear you talk about it, and I hear about Jesus' relationship with the Father, but I don't enjoy that in my life. You may be on the other end of the spectrum and say, no, 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 I have intimacy with God. I talk to God. I feel like God speaks to me. I have a relationship with God made possible by Jesus. But maybe people on both ends say, you know what? I sometimes think about purpose and sometimes I think about meaning in life. You can, you can Google it. And everybody's writing about it and talking about it. It's a really hot topic. A lot of people are searching the web, trying to find answers to questions like those. Viktor Frankl, who was a survivor of the Holocaust, said that man's search for meaning is his primary focus in life. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Solomon's word, meaningless. Can we do that? We had a funeral This week on Wednesday, uh, the funeral was of a man whose name is Ray Stevens. He had become a friend of me. I remember back two years ago on a Sunday morning, I was preaching, and in my sermon I told a story about going to see a man who was terminally ill. And so when I went to see him, I talked to him about Jesus, and he accepted Christ before he died, and he became a Christ follower. And so after that sermon that morning, Darlene Stevens who had been following Jesus for many years because a little lady who I'd never met, who attended BFC many years, her name was Edna Davis. Their backyards adjoined. And Edna Davis would go witness to Darlene Stevens about Jesus. And Darlene became a Christian. And for years she prayed for Ray. And that morning she came and she said, you talked this morning about a man who was terminally ill that you went to see and you talked to him about Jesus and he became a Christian. My husband is terminally ill and he is not a Christian. Would you come and talk to him? And so I said, sure. I'd love to come and talk to him. And so you never know what it's going to be like when you, when you go. You know, it, the wife invited the pastor. Is that a good thing? I don't know. This guy was nothing but kind to me. In fact, he invited me, please come back. And so I did. Again and again and again. But I did not lead Ray Stevens to Jesus. His wife Darlene led him to Jesus. One night she says, Ray, would you like to pray to be forgiven of your sin and ask Jesus to change your heart and to follow him and be right in your relationship with God? And he said, I would. So Darlene, after all of those years of praying for a husband, she led him to the Lord. To that point in his life, you would say that Ray was only living for the things of this world. The only problem with that is simply this. That everything in this world is fleeting and passing. It does not last. And so when you leave, unfortunately, you have nothing to take with you when you go. Because your life has only been about what is in this world. The Hebrew word for meaningless, that we translate meaningless is havil. You might find it interesting to note that havil means vapor or breath. Vapor. It's like uh, there's... You can't... It's gone. Well, it was just there. I saw it. and Now it's just... It's just a vapor that appears, but then it, it kind of vanishes. And Solomon said, That's what life is like to me when I look at pleasure and when I look at wealth and when I look at knowledge and wisdom. It seems like it's nothing I can grab onto. It's nothing that brings real meaning to life. It's the idea of something that is passing or, or something that is fleeting. And so 38 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, he uses the word in this negative tone that I'm not finding anything in life. When I look at wealth and when I look at pleasure, and I've tried it all, believe me, he says, I've built houses and gardens and I've planted reservoirs and vineyards and I've got men singers and women singers and man dancers and women dancers and I've got a harem, the delight of a man's heart. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I mean, I've got it all. I'm still empty. I'm still searching. Surely there's more to life than this. Surely there's meaning somewhere, right? Nett and I got to spend some time with um an old friend. Hadn't seen her since she was a teenager to spend really time with her. And so we got to eat dinner with her and her husband and catch up. And she says to us at some point in that dinner, she says, She goes, Do you know that I found my dad? Did I ever tell you that? And I said, No. My memory's just kind of rushing and I remember kind of as she's telling me that that's right, her and her brother Uh, That was not her father, her biological father that raised her. She said it was awkward. I was nervous. And she said immediately since he hadn't been in my life since I was two I'd heard nothing from him. My brother was one. He immediately started to give reasons and apologize. And I just stopped him and said, no, it's not about that. I didn't find you so I could find out why you left. I found you because I want to be in your life. I want you to be in my life. I think God wants us to be in each other's lives. She talked about this this sense she had lived with for years and years and years. And although it was very difficult for a mother when she started to search for a dad, she said, I felt like I had to know where I came from. I've kind of heard all my life, how do you know where you're going if you don't know where you came from? I think that concept is pertinent to our discussion this morning. I think you've got to start with where you came from. If I've got to think about where's my life going, what, what is the meaning of my life, what is the purpose of my life, what is the direction my life should take, then I think I've got to turn around and say, well, where did I come from? And so I opened the Bible to the book of Genesis, and you know what I read? God created man. That's my origin. That's my beginning. That's where it started. That's where I came from. I was was being a good boy this week, and I was reading the, the, the bulletin study guide like I asked you to read. And I was praying for the city. I was praying yesterday morning that God would that God would send the right people into the different cultures of our city to reach the people of the city. I, I appreciate so much you praying with me this week for our city. Keep praying with me for our city. Would you? I, I just felt like last Sunday God, God God was with us. God spoke to us. God challenged us. And and I read what many of you read yesterday morning from that study guide, Acts 17. That, that God formed the world and everything in it. And from one man he created all nations of men. And God decided when they would live and where they would live. Can you believe this? God decided when I would live. And what part of the world I would live in. He did that so we would reach out to him and seek him, Paul says. Because in him we live and move and have our being. God created us. This is where it started. C.S. Lewis implies that, that we're all looking for meaning and purpose, but we're looking somewhere other than God. We're all looking for meaning and purpose, but we look for somewhere other than where we all started, where we came from. Let me, let me give you some of his words, okay? I'll put them on the screen for you. But I think, I think these are very helpful, and I want to share them with you this morning, all right? C.S. Lewis says, uh, all that we call human history... Money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empire, slavery, almost fell. All that we call human history is the long, terrible story of a man trying to find something other than God to which will make him happy. The reason why it never can succeed is this. God made us. Invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on fuel and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel of our spirit. We're designed to burn. Or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. And Lewis concludes... There is no other. So why, why tell me, do you, do you think that, that we live as if there is another? And we go looking at the other. And we go searching somewhere else. Probably in an affluent society, one of the most common places that we look is in stuff, materialism. And Jesus says, you shouldn't be looking there. Don't worry about your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Seek first God. That's where you look first. And His kingdom, and His righteousness. Jesus says another time, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's not where you're going to find meaning. That's not what life consists of. And it's not just possessions, it's everything else. It's accomplishments. It's doing something good for somebody. Where can I find meaning? Where does life finally begin to make sense? But I opened the Bible and here's what I learned. That God is personal. And that He wants a relationship with me. How do I get a relationship with God in light of my sin? But God loved the world so much that He gave His Son. Jesus died on the cross and took our sin upon Himself. Now that which separates me from God, my sin, it can be moved out of the way and I can communicate clearly with God. And have a relationship with him. And not only is he personal and he wants a relationship with me, but he has a plan, a purpose for my life. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes about that plan and that purpose that he has for us. I remember my friend Jim said to me one time, he said, I was reading an article in the paper, Pastor Rick, and it's kind of bothered me because it was about a cemetery. And the cemetery, they assume, is no more than about 100 years old. But somehow the cemetery was neglected. And out of respect for the deceased, they would like to know who was buried at the cemetery. And so they're trying to get people to come around and say, yeah, we had ancestors buried there. But nobody, nobody, he says, remembers who was buried in the cemetery. And it was only 100 years ago. And then he looks at me and he grins and he says, I guess 100 years after we're gone, nobody remembers us. Solomon says, that feels meaningless to me. He actually says it this way. I read it to you a moment ago. Nobody remembers the former generations. And the generations that are going to come, the ones who follow them, they won't remember them either. You just live and die. What do you gain for your labor? I suppose if we are just a chance collision of atoms, or if you and I are just the accident of a purpos- purposeless rather, biological process, I suppose if death is really the end and there isn't any more after that, I guess life is meaningless, isn't it? But I've heard another story, and I give my life to telling the story. And the other story is that I am not the result of a purposeless biological process, but I was created by God for a reason and therefore life becomes full of purpose let me let me tell you my story when i was 19 when i was 19 god had been drawing me and drawing me and drawing me to himself i mean the lord was speaking to me and calling me and calling me and finally he gives me the grace to respond and i remember asking him to change me I was not quite prepared for the change that took place. The only way that I can describe it is maybe to borrow the words of Jesus when he talks about being born again. It was a new birth. I mean, I was different. I mean, when I walked away from that moment of prayer, I mean, I was changed. I was 19. I was not intending to go to college. I was working a full-time job. I was making pretty decent money. I was driving a really nice car. And I remember a few days after I had experienced this new birth driving down the road there is this elderly woman and she looks crippled as she is trying to drag her groceries along down the street and I threw on my brakes and I got out of my car not realizing I had scared her to death I guess she thought I was going to rob her when I finally convinced that I wouldn't hurt her I said I just saw you you know with your groceries and I thought you might want to ride and I loaded all of her groceries in the back seat of my car and I took Miss Murray home. And I remember thinking to myself, what has gotten into you? Some, somehow, I desired and wanted to be an extension of God's love and mercy and grace. The one concept that I could not quite get beyond was that all of a sudden my life was full of purpose. I had more than I could ever dream of getting done to do. Paul says, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Jesus says, live your life in such a way that people will see your good works and they will glorify your Father in heaven. My life was to be a reflection of Him, to bring glory to Him. And I would live all of my life knowing that I would never get that done. All of a sudden, I grasped purpose like I had never grasped purpose before. My life was full of meaning and reason. I knew why I existed. I knew why I was alive. I knew why I had a space on the planet. It was to reflect Him. Well, I think I'm done. I think that's all I have to say. Solomon. Solomon kind of summed it up like this. Now, all has been heard. The conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God. Keep His commandments. The the, the key is the phrase he kept using, under the sun. There's not meaning under the sun. There's meaning somewhere else. And it's when we find our place in God. Historian's sad, though. Although he knew, he didn't do. And he kept chasing pleasure. It's heartbreaking. But some people do that. And they die empty. So, if you're thinking with me today, there's an awesome study guide in your worship folder that Pastor McKell put together for you again this week. You may say, I don't really do morning devotions. This would be a great opportunity to start. And so, if you read the scriptures that are there and read what Pastor McKell has written, and, and if you begin to pray with us... And, and this week I commit to you again to join you in morning devotionals or evening devotionals or whenever it's good for you. But you can talk a lot and think a lot and pray a lot about purpose and meaning in life if you follow this guide this week. And the other kind of neat thing is that we're all kind of walking the journey together. And so I invite you invite you to do so. Um, I said I was finished, but I, let, let me just... Let me just think with you for a minute, okay? I think I can get my thoughts wrapped around this. There's this. There's this term that you hear these days called. Uh, um, you know. We know what atheism is. Um, kind of a practical atheist would be someone who would say, "I believe that God exists," but they 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 live their lives. As if he doesn't. In other words, they ignore his teaching, his commands, everything. So you don't believe in God. No, no, I believe in God. I just, I just live my life as if there is no God and he had no commandments and there is no teachings. Kind of a practical atheist. So, so how does that affect that person's view of purpose and meaning? You understand what I'm asking? go back to where I started to where I came from and I realized that I was created by God that he made me and he created me for a reason and he wants a relationship with me and there is purpose there is reason why I exist and so I live my life now until I'm finished to glorify him to honor him so let's stand together can we do that Harlan's going to come and uh, we're going to sing a song about how well this very personal God knows us. And so this morning um, we'll end with uh, an opportunity to pray. You can pray where you're standing uh, or you can pray uh, here at the altar. If you come to the altar to pray, it doesn't mean that you're becoming a member of our church. It just means you're finding a place to pray. That's it. That's all it means. And so this morning, if you'd like to come and pray about something that's happened in your mind during the sermon, maybe God is speaking to you and you want to pray in response to God's word this morning, you're welcome to do that. I invite you to do that. If you want to be prayed for for healing this morning, there will be a pastor on my right and there will be a pastor on my left and there'll be a pastor right in the middle aisle here at the break and on this other aisle at the break. If it's just too far to get here, you can get to one of those pastors. They'd be glad to pray for you this morning if you want to pray about something that's going on in your life, or if you heard me talk about that moment in my life when Jesus changed me, when I experienced a new birth, if you want to be born again this morning, you can be born again this morning. So I invite you to take some time before you go to talk to the Lord. I think it's the most important thing you can do today is just to spend a few moments talking with Him. Let's sing. Let's pray together. and you are ours. And may we give you glory in all that we do and say in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go quietly as you grow. Thank you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.